Thank you for tuning in today at Propel Church. Whether you're watching through YouTube or listening through a podcast, we want to say thank you. Our hope at Propel is that you would be propelled into an authentic relationship with Jesus. From wherever you are tuning in, we hope that you are encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Hey, you excited to be in God's house today? Come on, I am so excited. Uh, You'll notice there's no teaching TV out here. And in fact, there's not going to be any notes on the screen today. Uh, During in between worship experiences, I felt God make a shift. And so we're going to open up a brand new passage of scripture this morning. Are you ready for that? Come on, come on. Because here's the thing. We value God's word over our plans. And so if you want to hear the message from 9 a.m., it'll be available online. But we're going to dive into God's word in just a second. And uh, I want to say welcome. If you're here for the first time, I think you picked a great weekend because it's called One Huge Weekend. And you're like, what is that? Well, here's the purpose of it. Everybody comes together for one huge weekend. So what we've seen is that the average person comes to church one every six weeks. You might say, well, I'm better than most people. Good for you. But most people are in that one to six weeks, maybe one to eight week range. So we pick a couple Sundays a year and we say, hey, let's all come together. Let's try and make it intentional because if we can get in the habit of getting in God's house, we know that God transforms us from the inside out. And so that's the goal of this weekend. And as you leave today, you're going to get a brand new t-shirt that says, I love my church. And here's why we love giving those out. Because people, when you go through the grocery line, they're going to be like, oh, you love your church? Where do you go? And it gives you the opportunity to create conversation with them. But if you're with us for the first time, we want to say welcome to you. We're not going to do anything weird or point you out, make you stand up and tell us your name, your birth date, and your address. We just want you to fill out that connect card so that we can connect with you. But church, could you do me a favor? Could you help me welcome every person here for the first time? Come on, come on. And if you're tuning in online with us, we love our church online family. In fact, at the last worship experience during the 9 a.m., we saw one person give their life to Jesus through church online. Huge, huge. I want to preach to you uh, a message today called My Fire is Hot. And uh, I think sometimes in church we over-spiritualize or maybe just don't address the elephant in the room that When we come into church, it looks like everybody's on fire. Everybody's really passionate and really excited. And then we leave and it's like, well, those people are really pumped, but I'm really struggling. You ever been through one of those dry seasons in your faith where you feel like everybody probably loves Jesus more than you do? What happens is when we come into church on Sunday, most people put on that fake face and they put on that fake smile, right? You walk through the door and I'll I'll be like, hey, how are you doing today? And you're like, oh, I'm just too blessed to be stressed, (laughs) too anointed to be disappointed, right? And we know you're lying. This week you lost your job. You had three fights with your family on the way. You sat in the parking lot for 10 extra minutes because you was ready to kill each other. Then you walked in the door like everything was fun, and in reality, it's not. You feel like over a period of time, maybe it happened uh, before COVID, maybe it happened during COVID, that you were once so passionate about God, and it's almost like you look back to your faith, like you look back to your high school football career, just wishing you could relive those glory days. But I came to declare over some of us today that God is going to breathe new fire, fresh wind, fresh vision into our life. 
And that as we do that, we're going to see God do more than we ever thought was possible. Amen? Amen. So here's what I want to do. I want to pray for us, and then we're going to open God's word today. God, we love you so much. And I don't really have notes, so I'm going to need you today. <laughs> need you to speak, need you to breathe. We know that you love these people way more than I do. So I ask God that words from my lips today would flow straight from heaven. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, and the whole church said, amen. amen. If you have a Bible, go with me to 1 Timothy chapter 5, beginning in verse 5. I'm sorry, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. If you go to chapter 5, you're not going to be with me this morning. <laughs> I'm excited to teach this message because I really believe that um, dry seasons are something that we all experience in church, but we don't talk about. I've been talking to a lot of people in our church lately and, and feel like, for some of us, we feel like we're in a drought season, but God can bring us out. Yes, right. So Paul has an encouraging word for Timothy, who is a young pastor, a young church leader. Oh, and by the way, I, you know, I told you first Timothy, it's not, it's second Timothy. That's, this is how I told you I don't have notes. It's second Timothy chapter one, verse five. Come on, it's going to be good. You ready? This is what it says. I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that that same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. If you're taking notes, the first thing I want you to write down is that genuine faith is excitement about the God who saves you. What I love is that when Paul is writing this passage of Scripture to encourage Timothy, he doesn't just start with addressing Timothy. He starts generationally. Because we serve a God who is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is not just the God of a singular generation. He is the God of every generation. Not only every generation, but every tribe, every tongue. He is the God above all. And so when we look at the passage of text, the first thing Paul does is he says, I remember this genuine faith that was in you, but it didn't start with you. It started first in your grandmother. And then it went from your grandmother to your mother, and then it was passed down to you. Now, we can notice something about Timothy's journey, which is that he was absent of a father. So fathers, let me challenge you. It's a vitally important role that you have in the life of your children. Paul ends up almost adopting Timothy like a son, because make no mistake, if a son doesn't have a father, he'll seek one out for his entire life. And if he doesn't find a spiritual one, he'll find the wrong one. But he says, you have this genuine faith that was passed down from generation to generation to generation. And we just need to understand that the faith that we carry in this season is not just for us. The faith you're carrying now, some of you don't even have kids yet, but you're carrying faith for your grandkids and for the generations that are going to come. It makes such a big difference. But genuine faith is one that, is excited about the God who saved you and genuine faith believes that it's only through Jesus that we experience salvation. We live in a world where we are looking to be saved in all the wrong places. We look to be saved through our jobs and think that if we can just 
work hard enough or gain enough wealth that we'll be saved. And let me ask you, how satisfying is that promotion after two months? It's not. We look to social media to save us. Maybe we're dealing with insecurities, and so we turn to Facebook and Instagram to satisfy these longings and desires that we have, but none of those things can actually save. It is only through Jesus Christ that we are saved and set free. So genuine faith believes that Jesus Christ is the only way that we can be saved. But genuine faith is also a willingness to share Jesus with other people. So this idea that we can be saved, that Jesus can change our life, but we never tell anybody about it, means that we really don't have a relationship with God. It's more like a friends with benefits relationship. Now, if you grew up the way I grew up, you know what friends with benefits is. If you don't, let me explain. Friends with benefits means that the relationship is on your terms, and when it's no longer beneficial for you, it no longer matters. So here's how that looks in a relationship with God. We only pray when something goes wrong. We only talk to God when things aren't going well. And God is there for us in our struggles, but then when times get going good, we just pat ourselves on the back like our hard work earned this thing that we've been doing. God has no desire to be your friends with benefits. He wants a relationship with you. And, and do you know what? If I have a relationship with somebody, I'm not ashamed of them. That's why Romans 1.16 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because I understand that it's the power of God that brings salvation to the world. If you want to know what genuine faith looks like, a willingness to share It's not overly complicated. It just means that we have to do exactly what Jesus did for us. And it means that we need to be willing to share about what he's done in our life. And that's messy. Okay. It's real messy. I know some of y'all got more, you know, issues and tissues. You know what I'm saying? Like you got, you got problems. I got problems. The willingness to share Jesus makes such a big difference. And I'm reminded of the story in Mark chapter 5. Jesus has just had this encounter with a demon-possessed man. And the guy was left in a graveyard. He was abandoned. He was all on his own. But Jesus came to the shore. He met him where he was at. He changed his life forever. And now the only thing this guy wants to do when Jesus is about to leave is to go with him. He wants to get in the boat with Jesus. And the reason why he wants to get in the boat with Jesus is because Jesus was the one who changed his life. And he thought that if he could just come and sit in the boat with Jesus, if he could just spend the rest of his time with Jesus, that everything was going to be fine. But that's not the purpose God had for his life. In fact, when he, Mark chapter 5, verse 19 It says this, I'm sorry, verse 18. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the ten towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things that God had done. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. 
For us, most of the time, it's not, it doesn't look like getting in a boat with Jesus. It looks like coming into church and experiencing Jesus. And I want Sunday to be the highlight of your week, but if you think that Jesus just made you for a corporate gathering on a Sunday morning, you've missed it. Because the local church is not just a place of gathering, it's a place of deployment. It's where we come in and we get filled up and we get energized for the purpose of leaving and going out into the world to share the great things that the Lord has done for us and how merciful he's been to us. That's the beauty and the power of this. And so when we talk about genuine faith, it's not only an understanding that Jesus is enough for salvation. He alone is the one that saves us. It's this willingness for you and I to get real and honest with the world around us to say, hey, I've got some issues. I've got some problems. But there was a man by the name of Jesus who came in and changed my life from the inside out. It's a willingness to get real because God won't heal what you won't reveal. It's a willingness to be honest and share those parts of your story that the enemy has consistently told you that if you told others, if you shared that part that no one would understand, they would look at you different and they would judge you. Here's the thing. All of us sin differently, but by God's grace, we've been saved. So that's what we share. And your story looks different than my story. My story is that Jesus saved me from a drug addiction and God has used that story to help people meet Jesus for a long time. But here's the thing. My wife's story looks different. She didn't grow up like that. She has some great parents. And I'm not saying my parents weren't great and that they didn't love Jesus. But she had parents that, that cultivated faith within her and then she didn't live a drug addicted life. She faithfully served the Lord from a young age. Can I tell you something? That story matters just as much. We over-glorify sometimes the really painful stories that people have. And, and it almost, if, you're, if we're not careful, we create envious teenagers who only think they can fulfill God's purpose if they go do drugs for five years. That's not the case. Like God didn't make parenting to be where you raise hellions so they could have a good story. He did it so that you and I could cultivate faith that the struggles of a parent don't have to be the struggles of a son and of a daughter. So we choose genuine faith. We choose to share our faith, those painful moments in our life. And then as Paul continues to talk to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, after he talks about this genuine faith that he has, he says, so this is why. I remind you. Like I've experienced the genuine faith you have. I know it didn't start with you. I know that it's been cultivated and passed down from person to person to person. But let me remind you to fan into flame these spiritual gifts that God gave you. Church, I think we need that reminder. I think for some of us, we feel like our fire has gone out. We look at how we used to live our life or we look at the faith we once had and we go, man, there's no way that 
I'm still serving or living for God. And if you're there today and you're in a drought or a dry season, I would take you to Psalm chapter 51, beginning in verse 8. This is David's prayer to God. And I think this is the starting point for you and I to get our fire back. If you feel like you're in a season where you've messed up or you've made mistakes or, or you, you're no longer at the place where you once were, Psalm chapter 51, beginning in verse 8, David says, says, oh, give me my joy again, which means I had it, but I lost it. You ever been there? For me, that's like my car keys. I don't have them right now. I was going to pull them out and I was going to be like, look, but I'll lose them today. I've already lost them. You had joy, you had passion, you had peace, and somehow it disappeared. So he says, give me it back again. I've been broken, you've broken me, now let me rejoice. For some of us, we think of brokenness as just a pain point. Can I tell you, brokenness is a place of praise and rejoicing because if you refuse to be broken, you will not be able to be blessed. But when God breaks you and something happens in your life that breaks you, it brings you to a place of dependency on God. And sometimes you'll never realize that God is all you need until you realize he's all you have. So it says, let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew in me a loyal Spirit, don't banish me from your presence and don't take your spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey. If you're here today and you don't have fire, you need to acknowledge the fact that you've sinned and you've fallen short, but then let God rekindle that fire again. And the reason why your fire went out is because you stopped listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. How many of you ever made a fire? Okay. Good, a lot. That was was actually pretty impressive. (laughs) Honestly. Church camping trip, right? Like, I mean, I feel confident now. (laughs) If you make a fire you'll know that what you don't want in a fire is wet wood, yeah. right? Because if the wood is wet, it's hard to light. Right. What happens in our life is we've got this fire, we've got this flame, we're passionate about God, and then the voice of the Spirit comes in to guide us into holiness, to push us into the plans and purposes of God. And so we go to do something, and the Spirit's like, hold on, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Hey, 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 you were made for more than that. That's not a part of, that shouldn't be a part of your life. You shouldn't look at that. You shouldn't go there. You shouldn't be doing those things. And every time you choose to say no to that prompting and to say yes to your flesh, it's like pouring water on a fire. So sometimes we go, how in the world did I get to this place where I feel so distant from God? It was one no at a time. It was one. It was every time that check engine light came on, you just ignored it. Right. I, I, you ever heard me talk about a tire pressure light? I know Tori talked about a tire pressure light at the women's conference this year. I ignore my tire pressure light all the time. <laughs> it comes on and I'm like, 
It's, it's fine. You know what? It'll be okay until I get a flat tire. And I'm like, where did this come from? The indicator was there the whole time. I just kept ignoring it. Just because you ignore it doesn't mean it's going to go away. And so the longer we ignore and the more we say no to the Spirit, the more we're quenching the Spirit in our life. And when Paul comes to Timothy and talks about fanning into flame, I think we need to start being people who are just open to say yes to the Spirit, that God ultimately knows what's best for our life. Because when we choose to love and serve God with everything, this fanning into flame that he's doing is to cultivate the fire that he first created. He made you to be passion-filled, to be purpose-filled, and to experience life in him and life abundantly. But we need to be people who are saying yes. When he says it needs to go, it's time for it to go. When he says, hey, that needs to stay, we leave it. doesn't matter what everyone else thinks. It matters what God is doing in our own life. And if you're here and that fire has gone out, you need to let God today bring some new wood to that fire. Here's the good news. When we repent of our sin, then God doesn't just like try and make wet wood work. He just brings new wood and he lights a brand new fire and he chooses to give us a fresh start. So Paul says to Timothy to fan into flame and cultivate this spiritual gift that God has given you. And so I'm going to give you three really practical ways that you can fan into flame, that you can take the fire that God has given you and continue to cultivate it even more. And these are going to sound incredibly simple. I just think we've overcomplicated what following Jesus really looks like. So here's the first one. It's Bible reading. (laughs) I know it's revelatory. You want to fan into flame what God has for your life? If you want to grow in your relationship with God, open Scripture. Read His Word. And here's the thing. If you're here today at our physical location, we've got Bibles that we will give you absolutely free. I love my phone. I have access to God's Word on my phone. It's incredible. Can I tell you, though, I have a hard time reading my Bible on my phone. Because I also have Facebook and I also get text messages and my email blows up and I got a Netflix notification of that new show that I was watching. They just released a brand new season, you know, and so I'm trying to read and uh, Barbecue Pitmasters is telling me I should really watch season two. You know, like we just got to, I have a hard time reading scripture from my phone. That's why I love a, a paper Bible. I love opening God's word and sitting down because I can leave my phone across the room. I can turn it on silent. I can turn it on do not disturb and just focus on what God has for me. Another reason why I love opening a physical Bible is because I can go through it and I can highlight and I can underline and I can take notes in it and I can see what God is teaching me in this season that I'm currently in. And the next time I go back to God's word, I can open it up again and I can see that what he taught me last season is exactly what I need in this season. Or I can see that he's teaching me something different from the same passage of Scripture because his word is living, active, and alive. So if you need a Bible today, stop by Next Steps on your way out. They're going to give you one free of charge because we value God's word here at Propel. If you're looking to get started on Bible reading and spending time in God's word, I would challenge you with what's called a 555. And that's 
five minutes of worship, five minutes of Bible reading, and five minutes of prayer. Fifteen minutes. But if you'll start doing it consistently, you'll see that fanning effect. And the purpose of fanning this flame is that the flame gets bigger. And when the flame starts to die out, it's these spiritual disciplines that we have that reignite this fire to keep it going. So Bible reading is one. Here's the second one, being plugged into biblical community. I've never taught this before, but I think the biggest value of biblical community is what I would call surrogate faith. So a surrogate is a person who carries, like a, a child for a person who can't carry a child. Surrogate faith is where you have people around you who are carrying faith for you when you don't feel like you can carry it yourself. The value of biblical community is that God places you with a group of people who are able to believe for what you don't currently possess the faith to believe for, who are able to pray and seek and ask God, who are able to hold you up and pick you up in those times of struggles. Biblical community is so important because oftentimes you get to a place of brokenness where you don't even realize how desperately you need Jesus, but you're going to have a couple of friends who are willing to come in and carry you back into the presence of God, even if it means that you ha- they have to cut a hole in the roof. It's a biblical story. You can go read it later. Just Google scripture, hole through roof. It'll work, I hope. <laughs> You need to be in community. And we have groups here, and I think you need to plug into one. We're kind of wrapping up some semesters right now, and we're going in. We'll be training new leaders to launch groups, and then we'll go into the spring semester where we'll release. We're praying for 20 groups this semester. And the goal is that you would find biblical community. But here's the other thing I want to say about community. These people you go to church with, they're not just supposed to be people that you see every Sunday. They're supposed to be people you do life with. So if you don't hang out with anybody, if you don't talk to anybody in the church outside of Sundays, I would encourage you, just slow down your run to the parking lot. Like hang out in the lobby for a couple minutes after a worship experience, grab you an extra cup of coffee, stand there for a second, let some people talk to you, get to know somebody. Is it uncomfortable? Yes. But so is a rock climbing harness. And if you fall off a rock, you need it. (laughs) It's uncomfortable. But I see some of y'all run faster to the car after a worship experience. Like you look like it's a Black Friday sale. Just slow down. Get to know people. Get involved in biblical community. That's part of the fanning into flame that God has. The third thing is to serve to actually use your gifts. And in verse 13 and 14 of 2 Timothy, Paul actually talks about those gifts that Timothy has, which is the gift of preaching and teaching. He's saying cultivate those gifts because you were uniquely designed by God and your flame will extinguish when you try and live out somebody else's gift set. So if you can learn how God uniquely wired and designed you, then you're able to walk into those areas that God has uniquely built you for and your serving is actually fanning into flame the gift that God has given you. It's making your fire bigger. Sometimes um, 
Tori was with me this past week. There was an organization that uh, was uh, looking. I, I do marketing and branding work and a plethora of other things uh, on the side because well, I love Jesus. And I love building the church and I love helping people get better in life. And so we went to San Diego this week and they were looking for somebody to do some remote work for them. And I was able to sit at a table and go, if you're looking for this, I'm your guy. If you're looking for this, I'm not because I know my gifts. And I don't have to show up at every table thinking that they need me for something. If you need my gift set, then use my gift set. But if you don't, I can help put you in the right direction. Because if you don't know who you are, you will spend your entire life trying to fill other people's shoes. It's not arrogance, it's confidence. My gifts didn't come from me. They weren't cultivated or crafted by me. God gave me unique gifts. And he gave you unique gifts as well. So use those. And if you don't know them, or even if you think you know them, and you're not using them to benefit the local church, then we'd love to help you, which is why we have this thing called Discover. It happens on the last Sunday of every month. It's, a, it's like, a, uh, like an hour and a half, something, with food. Come on. How many of y'all love food? We're talking about lying next week. I'm telling you. I keep making that joke, but no, y'all love food, Right? We cook, we, but what we do is in this course, we help you figure out the gifts God uniquely gave you yeah. so that you can use those gifts to make a difference in the world. Right. So fan into flame, use the gifts. You'll never be able to fan a gift that you can't see. So let us help pull those things out of you. And then here's the last thing to fan into flame is to stay focused on mission. I'll go ahead and invite the worship team back. Jeremy, you can go ahead and come on out. Stay on mission. The fastest way for your fire to go out is you forget why you were created in the first place. You know why all of us were created? To glorify God with our lives. From the very beginning, we were made as beings of worship to live, to serve, and to give back to the one who gave everything for us. In fact, if you go back to Genesis chapter 2, God is creating man. And, and he didn't have to. He chose to. But what is the purpose of man? To fulfill God's mission in the world. From the very beginning, this is before the fall ever took place. God uses people to accomplish his purpose. And the way he uses us in our lives is that we would first and foremost worship him but then we would leverage everything we've been given to help more people get to heaven. That we would leverage all of the gifts and the talents and the resources to help people meet Jesus. And that's what we do here as a church. We create environments where people can come and experience Jesus for themselves. It's, it's the whole design of this thing. So from the moment people come into the parking lot, the reason why there's men who are men and women who are standing out there in the cold, when it rains, they got umbrellas. Why are they doing that? Because they want to create an environment where people can experience Jesus. When you come in and you see that there's coffee made, why, why are they making coffee? Because some of y'all ain't morning people. And you ain't never going to be able to encounter the love of Jesus if you don't get joy on your face from some caffeine, right? Like, so people are out there and they serve and they do that. Why? Because we want to create environments where people can meet Jesus. 
Why do people serve in our kids' ministry? Because we want to create environments where people can experience Jesus. First, for kids, that they can learn about Jesus on their level. This ain't babysitting. This is work. This is passion. This is purpose. Because kids need to know about Jesus. But second, for some of you, you know you'd never hear a thing if your kids were in here with you. So we create an environment for you to experience Jesus so they can take care of your kids for an hour and you can encounter God. Why do we have ushers who help people find seats? Because sometimes the auditorium's dark and we create environments where people can experience Jesus. Why do people use their gifts and why do they sing? Because we want to help people get ushered into the presence of God so that they can experience Jesus and experience the life change that he has? Why do we open God's word every week and, and not twist it or contort it or make it fit what we, because we want to make sure people have the environment where people can meet Jesus. There's people who are serving on cameras. There's people who are in rooms back here making things happen on video. Why? Because we want to create the environment where people can experience Jesus because we've experienced Jesus and we know that he changed us. So John 4, 42, it's probably one of my favorite verses in the Bible. And if you've been with me for long enough, you know that I say that a lot. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. There we go. We're going to get it. I still have to do that. So the reason why I love this verse is because it reminds me of why I do what I do. John 4, 42, this woman has had an encounter with Jesus. And then she brought all of her friends. Really, these people weren't her friends. They were the people who used to mock her. They were the people who used to ridicule her. And so she goes into this village and she starts telling them about Jesus, but she doesn't just stop there. She just now brings them to the place where they can experience Jesus. And so this is what it says in John 4, verse 42. It says, now they said to the woman, now we believe not just because of what you told us, but because we heard him or experienced him for ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. The reason why we do this, the reason why we invite you to serve and, is because we know that there is a lost and broken world that needs Jesus. And we can tell them about him all day but unless they experience him for themselves, they will never be saved. So I'm inviting you into this next season to fan into flame, to get passionate about God's word, to get connected to biblical community, to use your gifts to help create environments where people can meet Jesus. And you have some people in your life that don't know Jesus. So utilize your genuine faith to invite them in to experience Jesus for themselves. And as you do that, we'll see Mount Pleasant and the surrounding areas meet Jesus. And we'll actually experience fulfillment in life. For some of you in here today, we're not talking about fanning into flame anything because there was never a flame to begin with. You've never made the decision to surrender your life to Jesus. But here's the good news. From the moment you say yes 
to surrender your life to Jesus. God deposits gifts inside of you. He gives you passion, purpose, and fulfillment. But the greatest thing of all that he does is he saves you from the penalty and the bondage of sin. And so for just a moment, there may be some of you in here that need to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you've been looking for passion and purpose in all the wrong places, but today you want to say, hey, I'm going to surrender my life to Jesus. I feel called to make that decision. With every head bowed, every eye closed across the room for a moment. If you'd say, hey, I need to surrender my life to Christ today. Would you just lift your hand for a moment and say, hey, that's me. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. Here's what we're going to do, church. Nobody prays alone. We all pray together. Will you repeat this after me? Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I place my hope and trust in you. Thank you for dying in my place so that I could have new life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for checking out this week's message. If you made any decisions for Jesus or you need a next step or have a prayer request, let us know by going to www.propel.church/hub. That leads you to our digital connect card where you can fill out all of that information as well as see what we have coming up here at Propel. Thank you again for tuning in and we hope to see you again soon.